I don't know, as a little boy, growing up with dreams of being in a happy home, daydreams of being in a happy home, and then growing up to be a a man who just wanted to be a family man, a, 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 a husband to my wife, a friend to my friends, and a like this super dad to my babies. This is not anything even close to what I envisioned. I'm out here beating folks up in these streets and they beating up on me. Am I even built for this? Is this God? Is this what you want for me? So after dressed in all black like the omen went up in smoke, I was faced with a dilemma. I had nothing to show for my efforts, and my efforts were beginning to stack. I was developing quite the body count. I began to recognize that quite a few souls had been commingling with my own, souls and experiences. I was beginning to blur the lines, misremember things, confuse one person with the next. And although, you know, it might sound cool or whatever to be a Lothario or have your homies live vicariously through you, it starts to get tiring after a while. And more so tiresome than tiring. I don't think it's physically tiring. I think it's emotionally tiresome. And if you want better for yourself, you have to define what better is. Going around the mulberry bush trying to figure out if you and another person know up from down and can align on what, uh, what is up and what is down and what is blue and what is gray. And then you can't. Becomes worrisome and tiresome and woeful. One of my mentors, one of the members of my tribe, my accountability tribe, will not defer from the stance that dating is a numbers game. You find out who you're supposed to be with by finding out who you don't want to be with. Man, how much more do I have to go through to get to this point? Do I even want to do this? Why am I running around? Why do I, like, what, what, what is the reason for this? What is the reason to be chasing after people? Because they look good? Because you want to have something with them? Why do you even want to have something with them? These are things that I'm asking myself. Like, I lost no sleep over that woman that, you know, called herself quitting me. And disinvite me to a concert that I ain't even want to go to. I lost no sleep over it. But it did cause me to think, Eric, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And what, what, is, what is going wrong? It's been two years. It's been, well, no, three. It's going on three years. It's three years. It's three years since you got divorced. You look different. You sound different. You act different. You move different. You got a house. You have a whole new set of friends. Another birthday was on the horizon. And there was no one there to celebrate it with me, unlike the year before. But even that, who says you have to have somebody on your birthday? Your birthday is about you being blessed enough to be here for another year, Eric. I don't know what it is for anybody else. Somebody's got somebody. What's that got to do with you? These were the things that I was saying to myself. <sighs> and then, uh, you know, in the, in the absence of people being around, because I took a break after all of this. I didn't try to create a situation so I could have some company on my birthday because that was just dumb. I had to think, like, what's going wrong? That's the thing for me with the dating, right? I would move in cycles. I'd move in ebbs and flows. So I'd go hot and cold, hot and cold. I'd be really social, and then I'd be not antisocial, but just to myself. There is the theory that an ambivert, there is no such thing as an introverted and extrovert. There are ambiverts, and ambiverts choose when they want to be extroverted and choose when they want to be introverted. They, have, they are able to pull from both pools. 
So I fluctuated between being introverted and extroverted all the time. And one of the things that I've been blessed with being able to do and thank the good Lord above for this is once things start getting crazy in my life, I stop pushing in that same direction and I shut things down. I don't shut off and shut out. I just shut down. I stop trying to do the thing that isn't working because it isn't working. Hint clue. I took a pause and I kind of went back to my journal, kind of went back to my thoughts, did a little bit of meditating and I started to discover something. Because I had confessed that I was in my own way. And since this thing inside of me, I don't know, maybe it's testosterone, maybe it's some societal drive to want to be with somebody or whatever, had me out here, you know, because no one wants to grow old alone. And I think that that's the fear that used to drive me for a while. I said it didn't drive me, but then it actually did drive me. You know, not wanting to be too, too old, giving myself enough time to have a child so that child, potentially have a child so that child could enjoy me before I was like 100 years old. All of those kind of things were driving me and had me scanning everywhere. But where was I scanning? I was scanning on dating apps. So I did the online dating thing for a while. Then I did the DM slide thing for a little bit to to no success whatsoever. And then, of course, I had the hookups where I saw someone. I asked a friend of a friend and the friend of a friend went and created the situation for me. In this last situation, I had a friend literally reach out to a someone that I saw and then they that person and her vetted me for me to have some random conversations that lasted for a few weeks for it to all be for naught and you know this whole dating thing is a risk right it's a risk nothing that says that you have to be successful that at anything that you try life isn't fair but you should at least be a participant in the things that you're doing. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree in getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. And I felt like things were happening to me, but I wasn't happening to them. And I believe that I should be happening to things because I'm the variable. Life is constant. Life is going to be here. It was here before I got here and it's going to be here after I leave. So that's the constant. I'm not a constant. I'm I'm a speck of dust blowing in the wind. So I might as well do as much dusting as I can while I'm here. And I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, well, what's wrong? What is, what is wrong? Like, what is not working? What is, what is missing? And then one day it just clicked. I've always been envious of the guys that see the pretty girl from across the room. Or the girl that, you know, in some instances, dudes is like, yo, look at her. She ain't got no teeth. I'm about to step to her. And you're like, what? And you watch, that, you watch your homie in disbelief as he steps across the room and he goes like, Hey, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? Because, you know what I'm saying? Because blah, 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 whatever, whatever it is they say. And then they get a hug, they get a dance, they get a number. I mean, I've been able to pull it off when I was drunk. Went to a dude's wedding before I got married. Um, his bachelor weekend, 
I was at this party. This woman had to have been like 6'4", drunk. And I walked up to her and I said, whoa, you're tall. She looked like she wanted to kick me across the place. Never danced with anyone as tall as you. Would you like to dance? And she obliged me. But I was at a Latin club. So while we were dancing, you know, merengue and bachata and all the rest of that, it was all good. As soon as he switched to salsa, I was a fish out of water. And my love affair with a six foot four woman ended. So anyway, I recognized that the thing that was missing from my life was choice. I wasn't choosing anyone. My ex-wife chose me. I was the guy that liked all the girls that liked me. Where's the risk in that? Where's the growth in that? Where's the choice in that? Where's the development in that? Where's the choice 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 in that? I wasn't choosing anything. I was letting everything choose me. Even in the situation with the woman, the woman I keep saying, wanting to say devil in a blue dress, but it wasn't. The woman that was dressed in all black like the omen. I never stepped to her. I went through someone else to take the pressure off me so that that person could decide whether they wanted to deal with me. When she was in front of my face, I hemmed and hawed and looked at her across the room and went to the bar and had to get a drink and had to get my hand in my pocket just right and had to have my stroll down so that I could walk up to her and figure out what I was going to say and blah, 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 blah. And I lost on her because I didn't step to her, if you will. I wasn't choosing anyone. Everyone was choosing me. I mean, what was I going to do? How in the world was I going to do something I had never done before? Because here's a little secret that must be told. Um, here's a little secret. Women are like, why won't guys talk to me? It's not about you. Trust me. You're beautiful. Believe that. There's nothing wrong with you. The fear of rejection for a guy going to a, going up to a woman and potentially getting rejected for those who care about rejection is the equivalent, if not more, than getting up on stage and talking to thousands of people. The panic that grabs your chest and has your heart beating in your rib cage or your throat and has your mouth run dry and has you not even knowing what to say is so real, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense. It's pure, unadulterated terror at the idea of approaching a complete stranger and that person saying, nah. And let's be fair, because guys have traditionally not taken no well or easily, women are very definitive and very declarative. Many women are very definitive and very declarative with their no. There are plenty of women that are polite with their no's. And I don't think that anybody, I mean, no is no. You don't need any more than a no. However, if a girl is out with her girls and they're having a good time and it's obvious that it's girls night out and a guy tries to break into that space, it is going to be extremely problematic for that guy if the person that he's approaching is not interested. I've had guys, you know, I've done the shy brother thing and all those different little kind of things where guys have like, who don't care because there are guys that don't care, have broken the ice. And then it's easy because, and but then again, you sent someone out there to be your shield. It finally clicked for me. The thing that was missing from my life was choice. Because if I had stepped to that woman dressed in all black like the omen and talked to her at, at that party, I may, I will genuinely say I may, if it even worked, right? I'm, that's the first of all. The second of all, I probably would have been able to determine there whether it was worth pursuing her or not. I had moments. The reporter that I spoke to at my friend's birthday party, but there was conversation that was already happening 
that allowed for that to happen. It wasn't me seeing someone from across the room deciding that, you know, there's all, every, if, if I feel like every celebrity pastor has this amazing story about how they saw their wife at the, at the behind the counter at the bank. You know, they did whatever. And I just knew I had to have them. And they were like, nah. And I just kept going. And then one day they accepted. And six months later, we were married. That's literally every mega church pastor story. Almost. Let me not say every, but a lot. And I'm like, but how? How does that work? How does that happen? When? How do you approach someone you don't know at all? Like, what if they say no? I dropped a bonus episode called Dating in My 40s. It's a little bit more on the serious side of things. It is actually the audio narration of an article that I wrote for Medium. If you haven't listened to it already, give it a listen, please, if you like. If you want to hear a different side of things and understand with a little bit better context or a little bit more real life context, not that this isn't real life, but of the pain that I kind of went through and overcame to get to where I am now to be able to tell the story that I'm telling you every couple of weeks the way I tell it without any kind of like sour grapes or whatever. So hope you check it out. I remained faithful to me and didn't engage from that point forward. I took a break. I stayed away. I took a break from pursuing people. I took a break from trying to create love connections. I definitely took a break from trying to bet a woman for the sake of company. And September came and it went. And being alone on my birthday sucked. Not because of all these things that say you should celebrate. I did celebrate. I had a birthday party with 20 people at one of my favorite restaurants. We took pictures. We hung out. The table was so long, I had to work it to like just say hello to everybody that was there. My neighbors came and picked me up. We got we had drinks here at my house and then we went on to the restaurant. So it was neighbors. It was friends. It was beautiful. It was old friends. It was new friends. And everybody there kind of departed friends, which made things even more dope. But I went to bed by myself and I woke up by myself. And birthdays are one of those reflective things where sometimes you want to be by yourself. Sometimes you want to be with people. Sometimes you want to share that special day with a special someone. And this particular time around, although I was not for any lack of company because my married friend, who I never really stopped talking to, made it very clear that if I wanted, she could be my company. And I got some other offers of company. But that's just not what I wanted. Because I now understood that my choice mattered. And those that was an that was an easy out, for lack of a better way to put it. I'm not saying she was easy. I'm saying it was a it was an easy out. It was comfort for the sake of comfort. And although I I definitely enjoyed her conversation and you know spending time with her because we did occasionally go to lunch, I just wasn't really willing to invest in a situation that wasn't going to lead me anywhere because that's all I had been doing. I really wasn't interested in fielding the other offers simply because I wasn't sure I really liked those people. I was in a phase where this wasn't a wham-bam phase. This, these weren't people that I could wham-bam and move on with. These are people that were going to potentially want to stay. And I didn't have the mental fortitude at the time to cut people off because I was too busy in my own feelings. And again, as I've said, this, you know, this is not a this is not judgmental programming. If doing your thing is, is doing your thing and having one night stands or having casual 
sexual encounters or there is some mutual understanding that this is just going to be what it is and you're in that situation, then fine. But that's not where I was and not that's not where anybody that was potentially interested in me wanted to be. And I didn't want to be there with them because I wasn't interested in maintaining anything or conducting anything. And I definitely wasn't interested in hurting anybody. So I chilled. And September turned to October with the turning of the seasons, the changing of the colors, the cooling of the temperatures. But I was still not making the money that I wanted to make. And I was still pursuing whatever dreams that I had to do whatever it was I was trying to do back then, which was write books, become a speaker, do all that kind of stuff. And I was still spending time at my coffee shops in my neighborhood because that was my office place. So on this particular day where I'm sort of at this table that's wedged behind a fridge, a drink fridge, a Coca-Cola drink fridge, a rather dashing woman comes into the cafe, someone I had never seen before. She was dark-skinned, she was bald head, she wore white glasses, and she had on this like flowing outfit. She caught my eye immediately because she was bald on purpose. And she had so much flair and so much panache and so much energy. Her energy, panache, style, whatever, reflected or radiated what I was beginning to believe about myself. So she caught my eye. And not only did she catch my eye, but as she ordered, she turned and made eye contact with me and smiled. And not a little smile. Like she gave me a big old toothy smile. Nice full lips, beautiful white teeth. She just smiled like happy people smile. And then she went back to order her coffee or whatever it was she was drinking. She got her coffee and she sat down. And right before she sat down, she looked up from the stuff she put down on the table. She looked across the room and caught eye contact with me. She smiled. She sat down with her back facing me and didn't look my way again. There I was, once again, across the room from another attractive woman. And I looked at the time, and the time was three. And I had this schedule that I was on so that I could go pick up my daughter at a certain period of time. I wanted to go home and grab some food and then nosh on that so I could pick her up at the time that she was ready to be picked up at her school. Her school was a little bit off in the distance, so I had a little bit of a hike ahead of me. So I had to plan ahead if I wanted to be there on time. And going back to my own time, going back to my own day, Going back to my own youth, I remember hating being that last kid to get picked up or one of the last kids to get picked up. And I wasn't never one of the last kids to get picked up, but I was picked up later. My parents both worked. My dad's university wasn't was not close to the school. My mom didn't drive until I was in the sixth grade. So getting picked up was always a thing for me. My dad's university was not close where my dad worked. It wasn't close to any of the schools that I went to until I got to high school. And he was still late picking me up, even though he worked down the block from my high school. And my mom didn't drive until I was in the sixth grade. So as a result of that, getting picked up was always a thing. Now, as most boys will attest to you, well, girls too, they have no problem not getting picked up by their parents as long as their friends are there. But once their friends are gone, it's like, well, where are you? And back in the day, you just had to sit and suffer. You maybe did homework, unlikely, but maybe. But in today's age, they're just on their phone. Mine starts blowing up my phone with text messages when I am not somewhere where I am supposed to be at the time that I said I was going to be there. 
I looked at the time and I was like, I only have a few minutes. And my life as a parent revolves around time. So I looked at the time and I was like, I've got 15 minutes to make some sort of statement to this woman to go up and say hello or just figure out the hell she was smiling at. And 15 minutes turned into 13 minutes and 13 minutes turned into 10 minutes and 10 minutes turned into eight minutes. I could not get up the edge to go and say anything to her and her back was to me. So I couldn't get any more feedback that let me know that this was just more than a thing or she was even looking at me at all because the second time she looked at me, I literally looked over my shoulder and by the time I turned back around, she was sitting down. Eight minutes became five minutes. Five minutes became three minutes, then two, then one. You know, it's fine. I said I was chilling anyway. Doesn't matter. I ain't got no business trying to do something that I don't need to be doing. I'm in over my head anyway. It doesn't matter. Let me just go get this girl and go on about my business. So I packed up my laptop. I threw out my coffee. And I walked out the cafe, found my car, and drove home to go get a snack before I went to go pick her up and to get her a snack because it would be a couple hours before dinner. And then I began to have a conversation with myself. (sighs) Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. I mean, if it had been meant to be, then we would have talked. And I said, you know, I don't know if I can rest on that laurel anymore. I don't know if I can say, well, if it had been meant to be, then I would have done something when I actually didn't do anything. So here I was faced with the very thing that I had had an issue with. I wanted an end, but there was no end. She had her back to me all the way across the room. There was no friend to hook us up after the fact. There was nothing. I didn't know her from a can of paint. I didn't know she could put a sentence together. I didn't even know she could talk. I didn't even know she spoke English. I mean, she ordered her food. Clearly she spoke English. But there was nothing there that was giving me a green light. As I hit the halfway point of me getting home from this coffee shop, I say to myself, Nah. Nah. And I turned off on a side street. And I turned around. And I drove right back to the cafe. And I walked back into the cafe. And instead of going and sitting down in my chair or trying to posture and order another coffee or anything like that, I walked right up to the lady. Heart pounding in my chest. Throat dry. Hearing my heart beat in my ears. And I walked right up to this person that I didn't know from a can of paint. I walked up to her back. I walked around to the front of the table so she could see me, and she looked up at me and smiled and said, oh, you came back. And I said, I did. I came back to talk to you. Could I have a seat? May I sit here? She said, sure, sure, sit down. And I said, yeah, I was going to go home and pick up some food for myself and get a snack for my daughter, but um, I don't know. I just changed my mind and decided to come back here. And she said, oh, I have a daughter at such and such high school that was in the neighborhood. We talked about school. We talked about being parents. And I said, oh, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. She had a lot of jewelry on, but it was all kind of like antique jewelry. So I will be honest, I am not particularly jewelry savvy when it comes to women. And I believe that a wedding ring looks a certain kind of way. And even a wedding band looks a certain kind of way. So if a band or a ring or something like that is on a ring finger but it doesn't look like a traditional wedding band, then I don't think anything of it. I think it's just jewelry. Wedding ring is jewelry too, but you know what I mean. So we 
continue to talk. And she said, you know, I have to be honest. People around here don't really dress like you do. It was the fall, right? I was wearing a pair of burnt orange joggers paired up with a pair of low top bright red suede pumas. I had a cream colored sweater on that I got from Target that was somewhat fitted. And that was pretty much it. And my backpack, which was kind of like a khaki canvas thing that was real skinny because all I really carried in it was my laptop. I look myself over and I say, oh, well, I mean, I didn't really look like this a couple months ago. I've, I've just been trying to upgrade my wardrobe or whatever. She said, yeah, but you know, I own a clothing store and, you know, you just know who can dress and who can't dress. And I feel like you know how to dress. So I told the little story about my past where I used to not know how to dress in grade school and my friends, my classmates, they definitely were not my friends, would tease me. And I started to work. And when I started working, I started studying GQ and I realized that there was no way I was going to be able to spend 4000 or 5000 on a shirt or a suit or 2000 on some shoes or something like that. Talking about the late 80s. I mean, it hasn't gotten any better. If I could get the next best thing, then it's all good. And, of course, I was in high school at the time, but ever since, I've never met a sale that I didn't like. Paying full price except in rare occasions is against my religion. She laughed, she told me I was funny, and I mentioned something about my kid again or something like that. And then, um, you know, she looked, are you married? No, I'm not. I mean, I looked at my hand, and she looked at my hand, and I said, no, I'm not. I've been divorced since 2015. I asked the same of her. She took off her glasses and she said, yeah, I gotta be honest with you though, Eric. Ooh, it's rough. I'm contemplating it for real. And my heart sank because I did not want what was potentially coming next. But I'm forever team marriage. So I gave her as much advice as I could in the little bit of time that I had with this complete stranger. And, and what she said next was even worse than what I thought she was gonna say. She said, you know, when I saw you sitting across there, I thought you would be perfect for a friend of mine. And that basically meant that she was off the table. The lady with the bald head and the funky glasses and the funky clothes and the great big smile and the infectious laughter. Who owned a clothing store? So at the very least, I was going to get some hookups because I, I asked if she had a men's department and she said she had a men's section. Fair enough. Good enough. I mean... I'm thinking if this is the way she looks, then her friends are pretty much rolling the same way. So no matter what, I win. So she begins to describe her friend. She saw my face go slack and she said, well, what's wrong? I said, oh, I know her. The coffee shop where we were just happened to be in the neighborhood where I moved when I first got divorced, which is why it was one of my favorite coffee shops. I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have anywhere to be, especially since I didn't have a job. So I would go downstairs and go to the coffee shop and just hang out and meet people. There was also a wine shop in the area. And that was the first place that I went by myself as a divorced man and began having random conversations with random people. Because for whatever reason, I had it in my head that I had to learn how to be social or relearn how to be social as a grown adult. Something that I really didn't get a chance to do because I met my ex at 28 before I ever considered trying to date anyone. I had to learn how to just be out in places by myself and be okay being by myself and what had happened was we were at this wine tasting together 
we had talked for a while. She gave me her number and told me to reach out to her. I reached out to her. I never heard back from her. Then I saw her again, and there were some other guys there, and she just laughed and laughed and kikied and laughed and kikied and laughed with this other man that that was having a random conversation with her at the wine shop. And I was like, all right, well, look, she ain't checking for me. So, I mean, that was it for me as far as I was concerned. And far be it for me to say that someone can't try again or whatever, but I just remember how I felt standing off to the side thinking that I might be able to have a conversation with this woman after having a conversation with her previously and watching her chat it up with the guy, have him buy her wine, and from what it looked like to me, they left together. I could have been wrong, but I had just gotten divorced. Rejection was a very, very, very potent thing for me at that time. So when she mentioned her friend, I knew who she was. And I said, I met your friend. I met your friend when I first got divorced. And I didn't really get any sense that she was interested in me. And I'm good. Meaning, I didn't want to pursue what she was offering. We exchanged information. She told me where her store was. I told her I would see her around. And when I left the coffee shop, now late to pick up my daughter, I, I didn't have a care in the world. But I was light on my feet with a pep in my step and a smile on my face. And I was happy. And why was I happy? Because I defied my fear. And I stepped to someone that I didn't know. There was nothing fancy. There was no in. There was no nothing. It was, hello, may I sit down? Now, of course, it's good to have something in your arsenal to talk about. It's good to be able to carry on a conversation. But what I learned is that, one, I don't have to overthink these type of situations and think myself out of them because I don't think that I'm worthy enough to have a conversation with someone. Sometimes hello is good enough. Now, if somebody's having a bad day, blah, 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 then that's on them. You're going to get the no. You're going to be thanks but no thanks. You're going to get the I'm just here, like, you know, and I don't want to be bothered. You're going to get the people that don't make eye contact with you even though you're making eye contact with them because they'd rather not. They didn't come to talk to anybody. They came to just do do whatever it is they're doing, whether that's at the grocery store or coffee shop, walking down the street, at a library, whatever. But all I did was say hello, and she welcomed my hello, and that let me know that I didn't have to be afraid of any other human being when it came to approaching them. And to be perfectly honest with you, it works in talking to anybody. Friends of mine now say I'm a, a man who knows no strangers because I'm, I just say hello to people. I make conversation. If that person is giving off the vibe that they're willing to reciprocate. And sometimes I say hello to myself. I'm like, hey, that's a very nice pair of boots you got on. Or hey, talking about to ladies. Like, oh, I, I, I love your hair. Like your hair. Love the fro. Blah, blah, blah. Some people respond. Some people respond happily some people respond with a smile some people it looks like i made their day some people like oh yeah cool thanks whatever and then some people don't respond at all so then i say all right well you're welcome eric (laughs) point being i made a choice i chose to speak to that person did it go the way that i wanted it to go no but i mean to make a long story a long story perhaps maybe too long of a story short I went against the odds. I went against my fear. And I chose to meet someone on my own terms, whether they said yes, whether they said no, whether they said yay, whether they said nay. And in this particular instance, it was a nay. 
because I said, oh, shoot, I thought you was looking at me because you was looking at me. And she busted out laughing. She said, no, I love the way you're dressed, but no, I'm married. I said, I'll take the fact that you said it with such exasperation as compliment enough. So thank you very much. I was happy, man. I, 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 I crossed a hurdle that I had never crossed the entire time I had been a breathing thinking sentient being which was not getting chosen but doing the choosing having a role in what happens in my life relationally romantically relationally I don't even know if that's two those are two words that you put together like that but I chose you can choose we all can choose the panic is real the fear is real the rejection is possible but you never know until you try. And for however many times you can get a no, once you get a yes, none of the no's matter. But all of the no's matter if you never try, or all of the no's matter if you stop trying. But as soon as you get that yes, everything that didn't go right no longer exists. It actually doesn't exist once, as soon as it's over, it doesn't exist because it's the past. But it definitely doesn't exist once you get that yes. And then you can go from there. And then then you're in the driver's seat. Then you can decide if somebody can put a sentence together. Then you can decide if you want to get to know this person any further. Then you can invite him on a zero date. Then you can have a second date, a first date rather, and a second and a third or whatever you to decide to do. You know what I mean? You as person whomever get to decide what you want to do. Don't ever believe that you don't. Don't ever allow yourself to be tricked into believing that you don't. Don't ever allow anyone to tell you that you don't. This life that we live revolves around choices and the consequences of those choices. Everything comes with a consequence. And consequence is not a bad word. Sometimes the consequences of our actions bear good fruit. And sometimes they do not. But either way, you have the ability to choose what you want to do. You have the ability to choose to continue if the first thing you chose to do doesn't work out. You have the ability to learn from your mistakes. You have the ability to decide to not be paralyzed by fear, not be paralyzed by failure, and to continue to try again until you get it right. keep it moving and you live your life and you try again you dust yourself off you lick your wounds you keep it moving you dust yourself off you try again you keep it moving I went through a divorce I lost being able to be a 24-7 dad to my daughter I lost my job twice what more could anyone do to me to take anything from me what in the world is a no when I've been served with so much worse than no? And here is the point where you begin to draw power from your pain. So what most people do is they think about something that hurt them and they're like, I'm not going to be hurt again. But you've already been hurt. So you can't be hurt like that again because you know what it feels like. Now you can be hurt. Someone can do similar to you but you can see it coming. You can understand what it is. 
You can guard yourself against it. You can walk away. You can prepare. You don't have to lay down and let somebody walk all back and forth over you so you experience pain over and over again. You can draw power from your pain by knowing that because the worst has happened to you, or at least the worst that you've probably experienced up until this point, there's nothing that can top that until it does. Rejection was what I dealt with in my divorce. Rejection and not being good enough. It was so intense that it was unreal. It was so intense that it was unreal. It was so intense that it was unreal. It wasn't real. So what could some random person that I don't know do to me when the person that I loved, the person that I had children with, told me I wasn't good enough, said she didn't want to do life with me anymore. Why on earth would I give two hot dams about what some random says to me when the person that mattered the most to me at a certain period in my life walked away? It caused me to become Teflon. Now, the trick, the trap, is to not become so Teflon that you can't allow new things into your life. Use that pain to know that it can't get any worse than it has been. That's the beautiful thing about hitting rock bottom. You touch the ground, so there's only one place to go, up. Once you've experienced pain, don't idolize that pain. Put it up on a pedestal and then revere it by being afraid of it. Know that it's already happened. So what more can happen? You know, that's where that whole statement, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. It didn't kill you. So now be stronger because of it. Don't become weaker. Don't become fearful. Be stronger. Draw from it. Know that it can't get any worse than it's already been. So no matter what something might appear to be, that's all it is. It's an appearance. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. That don't fear what could be. Just walk into it and you'll be surprised how usually it's not nearly as bad as your brain is telling you that it is. That didn't stop me from being scared, but it definitely put things into perspective. And it definitely taught me in that moment not to make another human being way more bigger than they actually were and way more important than me. We're all important, but no one should ever be more important than you. We all were put here on purpose and no one's purpose is any greater than yours. In recognizing that truth, I mean, what if they say no? And keep it moving. This has been episode five of the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. I'm your host, Derek Payne. I'm that dude that I'm talking about. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share with a couple friends that may be going through something, may want to laugh. You don't have to be divorced to listen to this show. You could just like hearing a good story, you could want some relationship tips, you could be interested in what goes on in the mind of a man, or to my brothers out there, brothers in the struggle, black, white, purple, pink, and polka dot, I just want you to know that you're not alone in what you're going through. You know, sometimes us guys aren't always the bad guys. Sometimes it's a evenly messed up situation. Sometimes guys get the bad end of the stick. And we suffer because we don't have the emotional outlets we aren't necessarily emotionally evolved because of any variety of reasons. And I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm not saying it excuses bad behavior or anything like that. I'm just saying it is what it is. 
And because we don't necessarily have the proper outlets and because we don't have people to talk to and because we often are surrounded by people that are bubbling with horrific advice that didn't even work for them or doesn't even apply to them because they might be happily married or even if they're not happily married, they're just skating along through life. If you want better, hopefully what I'm saying here is better. Hopefully you can glean a little bit here and there to know that you're not alone. Your path is your path. I am not a relationship guru. I am not a coach. There's no class. There's no sales funnel to this. There's nothing that's going to get you into a master class. And then, you know, I'm going to teach you how to date or anything like that. None of that. It's not what I do. I'm just here telling a story. The man upstairs gave me the shoulders to carry a lot. And some, for some strange, odd reason, be able to make fun of myself along the way. Even in the midst of my pain, I was still cracking jokes at my expense. Not really sure what that's about, but it is what it is, and here I am. So, hopefully you enjoyed it, whether you are a man, whether you are a woman, whether you are married, whether you are single, whether you are young, whether you are old, whether you are medium age. I mean, you know, I don't like the term old. Not afraid of it, just don't believe in it. Um, because age is purely old, rather, is a state of mind. Maturity is good, though. That works. Anyway, be blessed, be great, be secure, be strong, be courageous, be faithful, be diligent, be powerful, be honest, be insecure if you're insecure, work to be secure, be strong, be courageous, be intentional, be valuable, be honest, be nice. Be firm, be real. And as I always say, no matter what, be 100,000 quintillion pi percent you. Until the next time, folks, peace and blessings be unto you.